Today's reading is taken from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 24. After this, the Lord appointed the 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter town and are not wel- and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter town and are not welcomed, go in into its streets and say, Even the dust of your tongue we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that tongue. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, They would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at a judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks very much. Um, 
Samson, if you can get your Bibles out to Luke chapter 10. So this is the second part um, of our series. Um, we're going through Luke 9 all the way through Luke 18 um, until Easter. But let's pray that God will speak to us uh, through this passage. Lord, once again, we thank you so much for your word, for it's alive and active. And now, Lord, would you speak to us um, as I uh, point uh, your people uh, to this text and to the truth here. And Lord, we pray that you, your spirit will touch our hearts um, and help us to receive it um, with great joy uh, that we might bear fruit for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was a door-to-door salesman once. Um, it was because it was a college job. Somebody promised me a, a chance to see a different part of the USA and make some money. And I thought, what could be better than that? So I signed up for it. And so I sold books door to door. How many of you think that I, I would make a really good salesperson? Oh, two, three of you. Thank you very much. I was rubbish at it. I was terrible um, at this job. And when you're a f- salesman, the world is against you, right? I mean, who likes being interrupted in the middle of the day, this person wanting to come into your house to sell something that you didn't even know that you needed to take your money away from you? The world's against you when you're, when you're a salesman. But friends, Jesus sends us out, sends us out into the world with the mission. But we're not, he doesn't send us out as salesmen. He doesn't send us out to sell something on his behalf. No, that's not what we are. Today, I hope you'll see uh, that we are not salespeople. We are heralds. Uh, Heralds who are given a message to proclaim to the world that we're ambassadors. People who represent Christ and God the King to the world. And we're sent out, most importantly, as God's children. That's what we are. Make no mistake, though. We are sent out. We are sent out as heralds. What's a herald? In medieval Europe, heralds were army officers who were sent out to towns and and different places to announce what the king was doing. And we saw that last week in chapter 9. Jesus sent his disciples out uh, to the Samaritan villages to tell them that he was coming. You see, they were sent out with that message that Jesus is coming to these towns. They were sent out as heralds. And as we see um, in our chapter, this is happening again, except this time it's not just a few people sent out to a few towns, but 72 disciples, as we see in verse 1, to every town and place where he was about to go. He was about to go to all these different places, and he sends 72 out, and this is an urgent business. Uh, Jesus says to the disciples, don't take anything that's unnecessary, even a purse or a bag or a sandal. Verse 4, travel light, he says. Do not greet anyone on the road. Don't waste any time chit-chatting. No, how are you? How are your kids? How's your family doing? This is urgent. Jesus is coming soon, and they need to be prepared for his coming. Don't waste any time. If you find a home that welcomes you, stay there. Make that the base of your ministry, and go tell the disciples. I mean, go, go, tell, the town what, uh, 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 go tell the town that Jesus is going to come. What are they to do? Verse 9. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near you. you know, 
do the things that you need to do, and then tell them, this is why you're sent, tell them that the kingdom of God is near you. What does that mean, that the kingdom of God is near you? Well, later on in Luke chapter 17, he tells a little bit more because people ask Jesus, when is the kingdom of God going to come? When is the time that the kingdom of God is going to arrive? And what Jesus says in Luke chapter 17, verse 21, is that the kingdom of God is in your midst already. How is that? Well, the kingdom of God is wherever the King Jesus is. I am here in your midst. So the kingdom of God has arrived, is what he says. Church, we are sent with a similar message to go out, to make disciples of all nations. And you see, heralds, but we're sent out to, as heralds. Heralds aren't soldiers who fight wars. Heralds aren't salesmen who are trying to convince you to do something. They're not building something. Essentially, heralds are messengers, people who have this message and who tell this message to the people around them. And evangelism is nothing more than being messengers, being telling others what Christ has done for them, for the world, and what he is doing. We are to tell people, friends, Jesus died for your sins because he loves you. And God then sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. He is with us now. He's with us, with me now, with us in the church. And he is coming to judge the living and the dead. We are to tell people this message that we're given. That's what we are. We are heralds. Alex McCoy in St. Andrews says that if you're the only Christian in your workplace, you're the most important person in your workplace. You're the most important person in your workplace, not because you're most capable, not because you can do most things, not because you're most handsome or funny or whatever to add value to the company, but because you have a message that saves people for eternity. You are given this message and you are called out from the world to go back into the world with the message. You're saved to be sent out to the world. And that's the most urgent and important job that you have as Christians. And by last night, uh, 134 people filled out the survey. And, you know, in the, thank you so much for filling out the survey. And if you haven't done it, please do, <laughs> um, because it, it does help us. Uh, it was encouraging, actually, in many ways to see what you have filled out. But it also identified a few areas where we could improve as a church as well. And one area was evangelism. 27%, only 20%, 27%, just about a quarter of us said that we actively are engaged in evangelism, that we're actively telling others about Jesus and bringing people to faith. Many of us actually don't even let others know that we're Christian. Only close acquaintances, close friends and families know that we are Christian. Um, I'm not citing this to guilt trip you, but this is an area that where we can improve and we should improve. And if you want to equip yourself in doing this, I printed these out. Um, they're at the back at the welcome table. This is a two ways to live. It's a, just a concise way to tell people of the gospel, how to do it. So memorize it. Tell, tell others what it is that you have. And as you might know, in the first few centuries of Christianity, there was an explosive growth you know, by the 4th century, it was the dominant religion in the Roman Empire. How, is that, how, how did that happen? It didn't happen through professional missionaries going into different towns. It didn't happen by uh, 
polished presentations by pastors and bishops、um, out there. No, it happened through people, ordinary people, telling others who Jesus was and what they did, what he did for them. The late professor Michael Green of Oxford, in his book on evangelism, writes this. He quotes Celsus, a Greek philosopher, who says, We see in private houses the most illiterate and bucolic yokels who would not dare to say anything at all in front of their elders and more intelligent masters, but they get a hold of any who are as ignorant as themselves and say, We know how men ought to live. If your children do as we say, you'll be happy yourselves and make your homes happy too. Friends, the gospels spread, the gospel spread like this. The ordinary people telling other ordinary people, you know, I found this bread that gave me life. You should have it too. I found this Jesus. Jesus gave me life and made me happy. You should come and hear him. Find out more about him. You see, we're saved to be sent out. We're heralds given a message. The gospel has been spreading. Throughout the world, through people like you, ordinary folks sharing the love of Jesus, the message of Jesus. So we're heralds sent out, but we're also sent out as ambassadors. Verses 10 to 16, when we should see ourselves as ambassadors because it will prepare us for rejection. And verses, from verses, verse 10 and on, Jesus prepares the disciples for rejection, right? He sends them out. And he says, You know, I'm sending, uh, sending you uh, uh, out like、uh, sending lambs out into、uh, a pack of wolves. It's a dangerous、uh, thing. And people will reject you. He says, If a town rejects you, verse 10, well, wipe the dust of the town off of your feet and, as a warning to them. And still tell them, You know, the kingdom of God is still coming. Kingdom of God is still coming. And Jesus says, those who reject the message, the towns that reject the message, will, will, the, 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 the consequences will be dire. It will be terrible for them. Woe to Chorazin and Bethsaida, two Jewish towns where Jesus did many miracles. In chapter 9, you see some、um, happening in Bethsaida. They, he, Jesus says, they'll be treated worse than Tyre and Sidon, two known Gentile towns. Um, that, uh, uh, because they rejected Jesus. Capernaum was the base for Jesus' ministry. He spent many years there. And Capernaum won't be saved by the virtue of having Jesus there for many years. They rejected him, and Jesus says it'll be worse uh, uh, for them than it was for.、Uh, uh, sorry, they'll be sent down to Hades. Verse 15. It comes down to,、uh, to this, verse 16. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who also sent me. That's why we ought to see ourselves as ambassadors. We represent King Jesus. Accepting or rejecting the message that we have is accepting or rejecting the King who sent us. And not just Jesus who sent us, but also God who sent Christ. We represent God's kingdom. We represent God Himself. We are ambassadors. You know, when I was selling books, the thing that made that job really tough was because every rejection felt so personal. And the reasons to、uh, why it felt personal, because every, every week they would publish. 
you know, the leaders, the sales leader. All these other people sell this many books and made this much money. Um, weekly leaders, monthly leaders, and I never made the list in my two summers there. I wasn't even close um, to it. And, you know, I would ask myself, what, what's, what, what, am I, what am I not doing right? Am I not charming enough? Am I not persuasive enough? Uh, am I too pushy in my sales? Or what am I not doing right? You see, when you're selling something, it's personal. You are selling this product. But that's not what ambassadors do. Ambassadors aren't salespeople. Ambassadors, when they speak for the president or the king or, or, or the, the, uh, the, the congress or whatever, they go out and the host country rejects them. It's not a rejection, personal rejection. They're rejecting what the king is doing because they represent the, the country. So friends, when people reject your message, don't take it personally. It's not about you, but they are rejecting uh, Jesus. They're rejecting God. They're rejecting His message. And here's the other thing. Ambassadors are mouthpieces, but the king or the country is actually doing the actual work, right? So they speak on behalf of the king, behalf of the country, behalf of the congress or whatever. But the, the other, the congress and the king and, and the country, that, they're doing the actual work. And it's, it's like that in evangelism as well. We go out as heralds. We go out as ambassadors. And we are mouthpieces that speak of Jesus' kingdom. But the work of evangelism isn't done by you. Work of opening the eyes of the blind isn't and can't be done by you. It's, the, it's something that God is doing in the world. I mean, take a look once again to the beginning of our text. Who sends out the 72? You know, it's not the disciples that say, oh, you know what, we should do this. We should go out. No, it's Jesus. Jesus, who is the Lord of the harvest, verse 2. He is the Lord of the harvest, sending his workers out into the, uh, into the ripe field. That is who is doing the, uh, doing the work of evangelism. God is doing the work of evangelism. And listen to also Jesus' prayer in verse 21. He thanks God that, uh, that the Father has revealed these truths, uh, not to the wise and to the learned, but to these children like us. You see, when somebody turns to Christ, it's because God revealed these truths to them and opened the eyes of the blind. The work is done by the Lord of the harvest, not us. We are mere ambassadors that speak of his truth. And I hope trusting in God's work, trusting in the sovereignty of God, uh, trusting that evangelism is something that God is doing will give you boldness, boldness and confidence as you go out. Because all people are out of our reach, but none are out of God's reach. As we go out and speak, you know, some people that you never thought would turn to Christ will turn to Christ. Not because of something that you did, but because God is doing that. Haven't we been, been surprised by who has turned to Christ and have become Christian? And it should also free us from this burden of converting somebody. <laughs> because we can't. We can't convert anyone. It's not our wit it's not our charm, our humor, our knowledge, intellect. It's not even our godliness that opens the eyes of the blind. It's God who does that. Only God can do that. Do that. And God is doing that 
throughout the world. When we lived in, uh, we moved uh, since then, but we lived in a place called Palazzo in Photon, and uh, there were lots of Japanese people um, there, Japanese teachers um, there. So Mary befriended many of these Japanese ladies and through them, uh, the families. Um, and Mary, actually, with the help of the people here in the church, did uh, Christianity explored one-to-one with the family and uh, with, the, with the lady, and we, the families became quite good friends. But the JIS teachers are government employees, and after three years, they have to go back to Japan. And so when it was time for them to go back, we were worried. We were worried because they were going back to Japan where the church was very small, and we didn't think that actually they were going to be able to make any contact with any other Christians when they returned to Japan. We we said to ourselves, what if this is their only chance? What if this is the time that they need to be converted? And so we had to remind ourselves of this truth. We're not converting anybody. The Lord of the harvest is God himself. It's God who is pursuing people, God who opens people's eyes. And if he wills it, he will make a way. Friends, don't we often hear of people turning to Christ after 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? You know, and they look back at all the times and they go, you know what? God has been pursuing me throughout all, all of my life. It wasn't just this one person. God has been orchestrating this whole thing so that I could come to faith. That's the testimony that we hear from so many people, isn't it? So if you're a Sunday school teacher, solid rock teacher, or just anybody who plants seeds but you do not see the fruit right away, know that God is the Lord of the harvest. He's pursuing people even when you can't. So keep going. Keep being ambassadors of Christ. Continue speaking the gospel message while representing the king. God will use some, um, some, uh, use you to bring some to faith because the harvest, although we think it's hard, harvest is plentiful, Jesus says. He is at work and he will use us as we keep going. But, as we go out, also remember that we are his children. And that's our first and foremost identity. When the 72 return from their mission out, they're excited. They're really excited because something happened. They experienced, they never experienced power like this ever before. Verse 17, they say, even the demons, even the demons submit to us in your name. Even the demons submit to us. They do what we say. And if, your Bible, if you have your Bibles open, in chapter 9, you'll see why they're excited. Because in chapter 9, Jesus sent the 12 disciples out first. Uh, but they couldn't do something. What was it that they couldn't do? According to chapter 9, verse 40, this is uh, 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 the father speaking who brought his son who, is, who has this fits of a seizure and they can't be healed. And he says, uh, I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not do it. But these 72, you know, they were sort of the outer circles, less mature um, um, followers of Jesus, less knowledgeable people who they went out and they come back saying, actually, even the demons, you know, the 12 disciples, they couldn't do it. But even the, the, what they couldn't do, we have done. Even the demons submit uh, to us in your name. So they were excited. And that's how we are 
often, isn't it? We get our significance from the things that we do. Often, relative to others, we do better than other people. So they couldn't do it, but we did it. Isn't that exciting? You know, we, we, we get our self-confidence from what we do better than other people. Maybe, maybe, maybe your looks or you, the school that you went to or uh, the money that you make. Relative to other people, you are maybe better at this and that. And we get our self-confidence in that. And sometimes we get our self-confidence in what uh, God is doing through us. You know, God has healed people. God has brought people to faith through me. And that seems exciting. And the last one, how God is using us for ministry, to drive out demons, to heal the sick, to open the eyes of the blind, to grow the church. Sounds spiritual and good, but here Jesus rebukes them gently. God uses people to drive out demons. He says, well, of course he does. Because I have authority over all the demons, all the powers in the world. Of course, as you go out, you will have power over demons, he says. God uses people to heal and build the church. Of course, that happens because I am the Lord of the harvest. You shouldn't be too excited about that. What should you be excited then about? Verse 20, what should we rejoice about? That our names are written in heaven. Our names are written in heaven. Verse 21, rejoice that God has hidden these mysteries of the gospel from the wise and the learned, but revealed them to children like us. Rejoice, church. Our names are written in the book of life. Our names are written in heaven. Our names are known by God through Jesus Christ. We are made God's children. That's what we should be rejoicing about over all things blessed are you? And if we are ultimately ambassadors and heralds of Christ, uh, uh, who do the Lord's bidding, it's first because, it, because we're first his children. And if we're faithful to the call, it doesn't matter how successful we are as heralds and as ambassadors, because we are the Lord's children, because we are saved by him and loved by him, known to him. In the conference I attended a few weeks back in the U.S., I had the privilege of hearing um, from Professor uh, Don Carson. He was a renowned New Testament scholar. I have many of his books, but one of the books that he wrote that I cherish is uh, called Memoirs of an Ordinary Pastor. I think there's one copy left in the bookstall downstairs. But it's about his father who worked in French Canada, this tough soil for the gospel. Um, he, he started out as a full-time pastor, I think 40 people or something like that, if I can recall, if, if I recall correctly. But the church just became smaller and smaller, and he had to make a living as a tent maker. He was doing, um, uh, he worked as a postman for most of his life, also pastoring um, this small church. So he lived a very ordinary life. But Professor Carson ends this book about his father like this. Tom Carson never rose very far in denominational structures, but hundreds of people testify how much he loved them. He never wrote a book, but he loved the book. He was never wealthy or powerful, but he kept growing as a Christian. He was not a far-sighted visionary, but he looked forward to eternity. And when he died, there were no crowds outside the hospital, no editorial comments in the papers, no announcements on television, no mention in the parliament, no mention, attention paid by the nation. 
In his hospital room, there was no one by his bedside. There was only the quiet hiss of oxygen, vainly venting, because he had stopped breathing and would never need it again. But on the other side, all the trumpets sounded. Dad won entrance to the only throne room that matters, not because he was a good man or a great man. He was, after all, a most ordinary pastor, but because he was a forgiven man. And he heard the voice of him whom he longed to hear saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Church, we are heralds. We are ambassadors. But most of all, by the blood of Christ, we have been made God's children. Rejoice. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for sending your son Jesus. We thank you for opening our eyes and revealing these truths to us that we might know your son as he is. And Lord, we pray that through us, as we go out fearlessly and boldly, uh, that uh, as we proclaim the name of Christ, uh, that you would open the eyes of the blind, uh, that people would come to know you and see you and, and become your children as well. We thank you for this privilege and help us to be your witnesses. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.